Welcome everyone to our third podcast of Local News Live Daily, where we recap local news stories that we've covered during our shift on Local News Live, which you can find on your great television website by going to your your local station and clicking live stream or live. And when that station is not in a newscast, you'll be able to see us and we'll be streaming the most compelling live events happening across the country. Well, I'm Victoria Osterley slash Shirley. I kind of go by both these days. Uh, is Nick Lawton, who goes by Nick Lawton most days. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, most days, but, but, but pretty much every day, every day. <laughs> That's his only name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so Nick, let's uh, have you kick us off. What is the, we're gonna cover two main stories uh, today. We had two huge stories during our shift. So I'm gonna let you kick off the first one. Right, obviously we're gonna be dealing with uh, yet another shooting having to do with an unarmed African-American person at the hands of police. But this one happened back in April 21st in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Andrew Brown Jr. was killed back then by deputy sheriffs as they were executing a search warrant on his Perry Street home in Elizabeth City. Again, that's in North Carolina. Well, today we got the district attorney, Andrew Womble, who officially came out and said that the three deputies will not be charged in the shooting. The results of their investigation showed that it was justified. Now, in a statement hours after that decision, attorneys for Andrew Brown's family said Womble is, quote, trying to whitewash an unjustified killing. And I'm going to read you just a portion of this statement that comes from one of their attorneys, Ben Crump, who also represented the family of George Floyd. Now, part of the family's statement reads, quote, we demand that the court release the full body cam video and State Bureau of Investigation report that will help shed some much needed daylight on this case and bring a small measure of justice to this family and this community because we certainly got neither transparency nor justice today. We request that the Federal Department of Justice intervene immediately. Now, when they're talking about the video, D.A. Womble played the video from multiple police body cams during the news conference this morning that we covered on our show, Victoria. We basically aired the entire hour and a half news conference in its entirety. And the D.A. said those videos show that the deputies clearly ID'd themselves to Brown, who refused orders to stop and drove his car directly at one of the officers. Womble said Brown's actions back on April 21st caused deputies to believe it was necessary to use deadly force because the DA said Brown was using his vehicle as a deadly weapon and that the deputies were directly in the path of Brown's vehicle. But Womble said he won't release the body cam video of that whole confrontation However, portions of the video he showed in that news conference were broadcast by, again, our great TV station, WITN, based in Greenville, North Carolina. And I remember something I want you to chime in on, Victoria, that one thing that struck the both of us as we were carrying that entire news conference 
live. Again, it went on for an hour and a half. He took a lot of questions from reporters, but he also seemed very, what's the word I'm looking for? Stiff in his refusal to release reports and the full video. Yeah, absolutely. And he made, he really emphasized once a reporter asked him, whether he was going to release his investigation, the actual documents. Um, he emphasized that, that that investigation was not public record, that nothing in his office is public record, and he would absolutely not release anything. Um, and, you know, that varies state by state. Different states have different public records laws. And I know uh, specifically I can comment on Virginia's public record law. They have what is called a criminal file. Um, and essentially, whatever is in that file is locked and not public record, and there are very few exemptions. And I'm not completely familiar with uh, the public record law in uh, North Carolina, but actually, uh, Ryan Pierce, he did an interview with one of the investigative reporters, Nick Oshner, um, from WBTV out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and we can actually post that audio as a bonus podcast because uh, I'm sure he is plenty versed in the open records laws there. But uh, yeah, the district attorney said he would, he, the only reason why he was sharing the findings of his investigation and sharing the video and screenshots of uh, the incident is because it was such a high profile event. And he, um, you know, someone asked him, how are you able to show us this video right now? Did the judge give you permission? Because as we've discussed in a previous podcast, it takes a judge's ruling to release body camera video in North Carolina. And he said that he wasn't releasing it, he was displaying it. And he was displaying certain clips and explaining what those clips were. Um, but before he showed that video, he showed screenshots. And a journalist asked him saying, the moment where the district attorney said an officer was almost run over looks a little more dramatic in the screenshots than it did in the actual moving video. In the screenshots, it looks like that officer was about to be hit in the video. It happened so fast, it doesn't look like the officer had a chance to be hit. So the journalist was asking uh, the difference between the two versions. And essentially that district attorney said, you know, this was our conclusion. We felt like the officer was almost hit with the car. So yeah, he took questions for quite a while. And, you know, he looked agitated at times. He looked almost nervous at times but he stood there and answered several questions. So that was interesting to me that someone who um, wanted to emphasize how locked up the investigation would be and the video would be, he was you know, able and willing to answer as many questions as he could. So that was notable to me. Um, another question that a journalist asked that I thought was interesting was, you know, she noted that the, protesters could be heard from the outside of that building as I'm sure the protesters were getting wins that they had ruled that this was what they believe justifiable so that the officers would not or the deputies excuse me would not be charged and so they heard a roar of protesters from outside and the journalist mentioned that to the DA and said obviously it sounds like some people aren't happy with this so what would you say what is the recourse 
for people in the community that are not happy with this finding. And he said, simply the ballot box. And you know that again um, is because the district attorney is elected in that state. In other states or other communities, district attorneys are appointed, but in this case, he is elected. So he essentially said, if the people don't like what he's doing, they can vote him out. Yes, obviously this is gonna be something that is far from over. We stayed in contact with our great station WITM throughout the day. But uh, we didn't have any new breaking live shots happening or anything. So they said they were just going to continue to cover it throughout their newscasts the rest of the day. If you want to read this full latest information for yourself, you can find this story on WITN.com. Again, that's WITN.com. They also provide a lot of context for you over there so you can see what happened at this point, how we got here, how the case is progressing. We haven't received any details yet on whether or not there's been any state of emergency declared in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, or throughout the state for possible protests. But keep it uh, right here on Local News Live. If there's any protests that break out, we will, of course, cover that. We'll bring it to you. And it's just like when we broadcast that news conference this morning, we broadcasted it in its entirety through the help of our feed from WYTF. All hour and a half, that's the kind of thing you can see here on Local News Live. There's no clips, there's no editing. We bring you to it as it's happening. We show you it happening in its entirety. We don't make commentary over it. We just play it for you to see as the viewer, as the person who needs to know what's going on throughout the country. And speaking of throughout the country, the other biggest story to happen comes from our great station WCTV, we are now going down to a different part of the country, to Mariana, Florida. You want to lead us into this one, Vic? Yeah, definitely. So this comes from our Tallahassee, Florida station, WCTV. They have been doing an excellent job following the trial of former Jackson County deputy Zachary Wester. Emma Wheeler has been the primary reporter covering this trial. It's been going on for a couple of weeks. We brought this to you several times on local news live essentially wester is was charged and accused of planting drugs during several traffic stops and the jury deliberated for about seven and a half hours over two days and they reached their verdict earlier today and we did stream this live on local news live and he faced 67 counts against him wester ultimately was found guilty of 19 of those charges. So some of those charges include, uh, he was found guilty of racketeering and other charges, of course, linked to the traffic stops of a few of those people that spoke during the trial. It was interesting to me that the jury kind of picked and chose which traffic stops he they felt that Wester planted the drugs during. So that means they ultimately, believed that some of these people who testified actually in fact did have meth in their vehicles and other people they felt the drugs were planted by wester so wester was found guilty on a total of 19 counts and those include official misconduct fabricating evidence perjury false imprisonment and possession of controlled substances and drug paraphernalia and wctv.tv i'll repeat that address because it's a little different than other news station addresses. 
WCTV.TV. They have a full breakdown of those charges. But, you know, the jury also found him not guilty of all charges linked to nine drivers. That's a total of 48 counts. And some background here, Wester was arrested in 2019, accused of planting meth on those drivers during a dozen traffic stops. And again, the jury only believed he planted drugs in three, I believe, and the remaining nine, they, they believed they actually did have drugs on them. So prosecutors said that Wester kept the drugs in his patrol car, along with an already positive field test. And of course, we showed you this trial and we showed that they relied heavily on body camera footage from Wester and other deputies to make their case against him. And they also brought those drivers up to the witness stand to explain what exactly happened to them. And then on Friday, Wester actually took the stand himself many times when deputies or other people are on trial, they don't testify, but it was interesting that Wester did testify. And Nick, you were here Friday. I was actually out on Friday. So what were your biggest takeaways from when he took the stand on Friday? Yeah, I think it was just a big surprise to everyone that he actually would take the stand himself facing 67 felony counts, but he did. And one of the first things that stood out to us was as he approached, well, when he got into the stand, the judge asked him, you know, you're doing this from your own choice, right? And he told the judge that, yes, this was his choice. But every time he was asked about the drugs in the car, Wester would say the same thing on the stand. He's saying that he is testifying before the jury, telling them that he did not put those drugs there. He did not fabricate the story. Those drugs were already in there. And he, he was very flat very emotionless, very stare straight forward ahead, kind of the same way he was when he heard the verdict today. There were a few uh, betrayals of emotion in his face. I mean, he did have a mask on in the courtroom and everything, but his eyes twitched every now and then. After the full verdicts were read, I remember he was cradling his mask, the mask lower half of his face with one of his hands because once those verdicts were read, he was arrested and led out into the courtroom. He was taken into custody and he's gonna be transported to the Jackson County Jail. And we're gonna have a status conference coming up in this coming week. And you were right earlier, Victoria, what the, uh, our WCTV reporter, Elle Wheeler, have been covering this since day one. She offers a lot of context on her Twitter page. When she talked about how Wester testified on the stand saying he found drugs in there. And clearly the jury agreed on that because the charges he was found guilty of are, as you said earlier, out of Victoria, out of the 12 people he arrested who testified, Wester was only found guilty for three of those, which only accounted to those 19 counts. They found, the jury found him not guilty for the other nine, totaling 48 counts. And if you want to follow her, she is at ewheeler underscore WCTV on Twitter. Again, Emma Wheeler, ewheeler underscore WCTV. You know, you, you can go over there, give her a follow for more updates from the case, as well as more news being covered by our gray station there in Tallahassee, Florida, WCTV. So where we go from here, obviously, got that status conference coming up this coming week. 
And also we've got our gray station there, WCTV, reaching out to Wester's defense attorney for comment. They're also trying to get a comment from assistant state attorney, Tom Williams, who prosecuted the case. And the judge was, before he released the jury, the judge was very quick to remind them that they are not obligated to discuss the case with anyone at all. And he brought up the media specifically. So we don't know if any of our reporters there are gonna get a chance to interview one of the jurors, possibly now, possibly later. But uh, obviously it goes without saying, Victoria, that um, you, know, you and I have covered our fair share of misconduct in police departments across the country. And this definitely goes down as one of the most unique cases. Oh, certainly. And I do want to mention, so uh, while you were talking, uh, WCTV.TV, they actually have the video of the verdict being read on their website on this article. And I'm watching it because um, it is hard to see Wester's emotion behind that mask, but you can see his chest rising uh, very rapidly. So you can see that you could tell his heart was beating pretty fast and he was having some shallow breaths. Um, and yeah, you, I can see his eyes kind of twitching and blinking a lot. He seemed pretty stunned and maybe in disbelief. And when uh, the judge read that he would be taken into custody, uh, when he stood up, he almost seemed um, a little confused. He put his hands behind his back and then in front of his his and then in front of him, and it does look like he's kind of fighting back emotion. It's again, you can only see half his face, but um, very interesting reaction there, especially considering you said that, uh, you know, and he's blinking pretty hard. So, it, you know, an interesting reaction, especially considering you said how stoic and listless he was during his testimony on Friday. But I do want to give a shout out to Emma Wheeler, not only for covering the trial and keeping everybody updated with her tweets, but she also was the pool camera, it's, it seems. Um, she was behind the camera today in the courtroom, uh, doing a great job there too. You know, you gotta give a shout out to the one-man bands, to those multimedia journalists who mm -hmm. not only are tweeting, reporting, manning the camera, doing also everything. looking presentable during the live shots, but also you know, pre presenting that information during the newscast. So shout out to Emma Wheeler, five stars all around. <laughs> Great job. Great job. Great job covering <laughs> it. Well, those were our top two stories we covered. Do you have anything else you want to add, Nick, uh, of any news that happened today? No, I think those are the two biggest stories uh, we had our hands on today. And again, you can see stories like this for yourself happening in real time, unedited, unaltered, which is presenting the news to you as it happens, thanks to our great TV stations across the nation. Now, how do you watch local news live? That's the plug. Here's the call to action. Well, you can find us on any great TV stations website across the nation, and you can find your great TV stations by logging on to gray.tv. They've got a great interactive map there where you can pull up the great TV station in your area. Maybe you didn't even know you had one. So you can go to their website and usually on the top bar there on the homepage, they have a live option on there. And when you click on that, we will play for you. Assuming that that station is not already in their own local coverage or doing any breaking news streaming, you will see us. Victoria and I are on from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Time, 11 to 4 Eastern Time. 
I'm not going to do the other time zone. <laughs> yes. Off my head because I'm just going to embarrass myself. But we do have uh, teams reporting live news across the country starting at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time to midnight Central Standard Time. So anytime you tune in, you'll likely see one of our team members on Local News Live. So thanks again for listening in on our Local News Live daily podcast. We're hoping to ramp up podcasts and include other team members and also like i mentioned earlier add some bonus episodes with interviews that people are doing uh that we also air some long form in-depth interviews that are great content we want to share that with you on this platform as well thank you so much for listening take care y'all